0: Getting ready to leave on a trip to go to a multifamily investing conference, and then I'll be off to Collective Genius, the mastermind of some of the top real estate investors out there, where the admission fee is $25,000 a person, so I can find better deals for you guys and network with the top professionals out there. If you guys want access to my travel schedule so we can hopefully meet up in person, go to the website and sign up at simplepassivecashflow.com/slash club. And hopefully we can connect in person. Here we go. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went, and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Cashflow listeners. Today we are going to do a coaching call today. And you guys are going to be able to listen in. We uh, are changing the identity slightly to protect the innocent, but uh, Patrick's here, and he is also an engineer, uh, if you can tell by the uh, gaming headset that we all like to have. <laughs> How's it going, Patrick? Thanks for doing this again. Thanks for having me, Lane. It's great to be here. Yeah, so you uh, volunteered, um, putting up sort of a pseudo personal financial sheet here, PFS, as we call. Kind of you introduce yourself, You know, kind of take us from, from the beginning, maybe where you are in your career too. I work in IT as a government contractor, recently
1: started making money that had me above and beyond just the normal necessity. So I was able to start putting some money away. And then just as career progressed and everything like that, I realized that, you know, I like the, like the job, I like the industry, but it's not, it's not where I see myself being for the next 40 years. It's just, you know, chained to a cubicle. That's, that's not really appealing. I've seen a lot of people go through that and it's just not something that I can see myself doing or being interested in for the long term. Uh, so, with this extra money, I started look, listening to podcasts like yours and a couple other people in the similar spheres. Started looking at real estate, started looking at turnkey, started looking at AHP back when they were AHP rather than AHP servicing. Just anything that I could find to, as you term it, reach escape velocity in terms of keeping your expenses low and then ramping up to be able to get where you need to go in terms of the various stages of financial freedom. I've got the the monthly savings just from the W-2 job kind of down to the quick where I think I'm not sure how much further we can go with that before we start, you know, doing rice and beans 24 seven or just eating ramen all the time. (laughs) But what I'm interested in and looking for now is kind of a way forward. I've got, I don't have mass to, to use a physics equation. I don't have money mass or financial mass, but I have decent velocity in terms of accrual. Um, I've got a turnkey property down in Memphis, probably going to close on a second one in the next month or so. Uh, my brother and I bought a property up in Harrisburg to rehab and do ourselves, and I've learned enough from that experience to know that I do not want to do that again. So I
0: just want to be more on the uh, on the passive side going forward, not swinging a hammer. Yeah. So I'll kind of reiterate what you mean by mass. And mass is usually yeah. what's what termed is a combination between your net worth, which is about 160000 now. And also, how much money you're able to generate from your W-2 job? Maybe kind of, we'll, we'll kind of go over that real quick, just so people get a sense. You know, when, when did you graduate? When did you start working? I actually worked my way through college, keep the debt as low as
1: possible, so it took me seven years to graduate. I think I, I got out of there in 2013.
0: Okay, and then um, starting salary was down here was 65,
1: um, and I've bumped it up just by trading up, essentially to 170.
0: Yeah so so this is kind of the classic first generation wealth story right you, you don't have very much net worth or or like we said mass but you know you're making a pretty good salary and you know luckily you're uh, you're used to uh, the beans and rice as you said and this personal financial sheet that's what we're looking at the here is the bottom left quarter that's how much money you're making and then the upper right hand quarter which is your liabilities and uh, so, if you're if you're making about you know 170 a year, how much of that are you are you spending? You know, what what's your rent like or or your mortgage like, and then how much are you able to save about per year? So I've actually done it in terms of month. Uh,
1: my monthly mortgage here is 18, ish, 18 even. That's you know all taxes, HOA is rolled in there. All right, and that's not Assuring extravagant at all for that that area. No, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah northern virginia i mean you you can crack twenty five hundred without breaking a sweat too much. There's a house built in
0: the seventies so after um you know, if you've got some little bit credit card debt, no no no, that's nothing. That's only six hundred bucks kind of early this morning. That's essentially the recurring
1: payments yeah, that I have right. that I'm paying off every month yeah yet. that's that's
0: nothing. You're basically able to save what about like fifty to eighty thousand a year about how much do you figure? Uh, I did it at the monthly level, but yeah, I'm conservatively saying about 5000 a month. Right. Now, whether that really happens or that's just theoretical, that's the, that I mean, that's kind of my problem. I mean, theoretically, theoretically it's very similar, but, you know, I was checking the other day, you, know, you can you can go to one of your credit cards, the one I use for all my travel. And I was like, whoa, I didn't realize I spent that much money on that kind of stuff. The categories must be off, but <laughs> right. Right? that's what I'm going to blame it on. But so you're you're at this, this uh, level in terms of I don't know if I call it um, acceleration or velocity, but if you're able to put away fifty grand every year in savings, it's just a matter of putting in the right things and you'll be financially free in the next like half a decade if you keep doing that. So, yeah, so that's the plan. So um so yeah, let's let's what was kind of the first step that you you kind of went to, to you know, what was the first game plan here?
1: Uh, first game plan was during downtime at work, hit bigger pockets, start listening to podcasts that were actually on YouTube, started running numbers, started looking at different turnkey providers, flew down to Memphis, toured a couple different ones, picked one. It's been performing pretty well. You know I mean? the It's not a theoretical thing in my mind anymore, but the, the limitation there was really just scalability to, in order to replace my W2 income, I'm going to need like 50 of these things in order to, to be able to make that happen. Uh, while accounting for you know vacancies and capex and resp- repairs and all that stuff, so that's that's tough. That's a lot of money, um, and I'm sure there are other options that are available that can accelerate that timeline quicker and be a more efficient use of cash while having these turnkeys as a backup for when I you know there are no opportunities and I have excess money, just go pick up another one of these things. But in terms of a primary strategy, I'm not
0: sure if this is the way to go or not. Yeah, and that property was the what was the purchase price and the the uh, market rents uh purchase price was 108 rents were 925 so not the one percent uh rent to value ratio but i mean i think for you i mean that that one's kind of a perfect perfect prototype right like it's it's not a piece of junk that rents for less than eight hundred dollars i mean yeah prototype's
1: a good way to put it i mean that's kind of what i was looking for was proof of concept okay does that work then push all the chips forward
0: right and i believe you went through uh, a one of these turn, these more notable uh, turnkey providers that are a little more expensive. So, um, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, you make enough income where you can kind of just time is more important thing. And I like how you uh, just kind of went in and got one and can't believe how many guys I talk to. They make pretty good salaries like yourself, but then they waste all this time. And I always tell people for every 30 grand you have lying around, you're just losing two, 300 bucks of cash flow non including tax benefits, uh, mortgage pay down and appreciation every month.
1: Right. So Yeah, yeah, it's definitely right, correct. Uh, if my wife was here, she would give you a counter argument to that whole wasting time and talking it <laughs> over thing. But yeah, we did eventually pull the trigger. Uh, the thing that, that really snuck up on me with the turnkey properties that I should have realized was after the first year, the rent increases and I did the math for that. I'm like, oh my God, this is an extra 3% cash on cash return that I hadn't even thought about yet. So talking to to time, getting in there early and getting stuff bought quickly and responsibly is, you know,
0: you can play that time card and really, really dig yourself out if you buy wrong. Right. Right. And I, I think it's just also, you know, that was a smaller sample size. What I saw was like my taxes went up on the individual properties as they should, right. Cause the mm-hmm. values go up and that kind of ate that extra profit right away. But yeah, so you have proof of concept. Um, How how long ago was that? Oh, I've had it for a year and and a quarter now. Yeah, so it was pretty smooth sailing, that one. I I would say most turnkey owners, it takes them a few months. Or it's either it's smooth sailing or one every four will take them like six months to get going. and there will be some kind of thing, an issue that pops up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been lucky so far. Have you ever listened to a podcast or been in a seminar and too afraid to ask a slightly personal question? Our mastermind will have an intimate feel where people are going through the program together and at their own pace if needed, in order to foster friendships. When I was learning and paying thousands of dollars for masterminds and mentorships, the network, however hokey pokey as it sounds, was a big part of it. What happens in the mastermind stays in the mastermind. We'll use the bi-weekly webinar sessions to dissect concepts with real-life examples. Hear how someone else might implement something like infinite banking concept on a hot seat session. Our group will attract thought leaders to meet just with our exclusive group. We can get FaceTime and ask individual questions. Why? Because our group will be people who put their money where their mouth is and go out and make things happen, as opposed to your local REI club which is traditionally just a bunch of tire kickers and some sharks. com backslash journey to learn more. So at what point did you start to realize, like, you know, it was like, well, this is cool, but then dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, so I worked really, really,
1: really early in the morning and I had about an hour before anybody else got in. So I do my checks, make sure everything's good to go. And then I just start up, uh, start hitting up Excel and Visio, and, you know, daydreaming basically. <laughs> and just, you know, doing math uh, with, you know, I had one guy, uh, one coworker who was really, really still is really, really, really big into 401ks and deferred income and REITs and, you know, mutual funds and all that stuff. And you know, he's talking about the amount of money he's going to need. So I've of course was trying to juxtapose that against real estate and other types of cash flow investing. Uh, and it came up that you'd need roughly around 350, 400 grand, to do the turnkey properties to get to the point where it would be replacing my actual income i uh, wrote a powershell script actually to determine the acceleration uh, in that loop so you know you're technically adding 250 every month roughly can you or how much quickly does each turnkey property add to the the time it takes to get the next turnkey property if that makes sense like if it takes you a year to accrue amount of money to get from zero turnkey properties to one then from one to two is like 10 months. And then, you know, it accelerates past there. So I wrote some scripts that did that. Um, and it was cool to see, but I was still coming up with like eight or nine years. And that, that kind of stinks.
0: And how many, how many turnkeys did you figure that
1: was? It was like, it was high 40s. It was like 47, 48, something like that. And just thinking about, okay, you're either, you either have this many properties with one turnkey provider to keep your management headaches down which is an, ex- that's an insane vulnerability or you split it out and have, you know, three to five properties with various uh, providers and various markets and stuff. And then that still becomes a management headache because it's,
0: it, you know, good luck keeping
1: track of all that stuff.
0: It's not very passive. Right. So I mean, what, what at this point, did you, um, you, know, you had some liquidity, right? I mean, you have, you have a bunch of liquidity from your W2 job, but were you looking at your 401k to take? Was that an option? Um, I looked
1: at that. Um, actually, uh, when we spoke last time, uh, I had about forty grand in the 401k, and I wound up cashing that out in tax year 2019. So that's kind of my war chest right now.
0: Hey, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Maybe it's we scary. can kind of rehash that for the folks here. What was kind of your thought process there? Then I think we we've probably talked a little bit about the taxes and implications. Yeah.
1: Well, the the fees and taxes were really That was my sticking point. It was scary to think, oh my God, I'm going to be paying extra money. I'm going to have this massive tax bill at the end of the year. But taking a step back and thinking about it in terms of, okay, 40 grand is a turnkey property and a half ish. So what's my opportunity cost by not cashing that out now and then being subject to all the limitations of having a self directed 401k with the UPI and all this stuff? Exactly yeah, it just it was such a headache, and being limited with what you could and couldn 't purchase with it, just not having access raw access to that money to do with what you want, and then getting nickel and dime to death in terms of fees, so even if I just took that money and threw it into a turnkey property, it would essentially cover the tax penalties or the the taxes and penalties within two years, and then you're break even and then you 're just free and you don 't have to worry about maintaining another account or you know, what are the legal implications of all this stuff? It's just it's just money that you have available and working for you. So looking at it that way kind of pushed me over the hump towards uh, cashing it out. It still was, it was a little scary, but yeah. so far it's been working out.
0: Yeah, most times, you know, the cashing out your 401k to do this is, is seen as like naughty, right? People like, oh, that's your retirement.
1: And- yeah, I didn't tell anybody at work about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, people are going to think you're crazy, but let's kind of walk yeah. through this for the folks listening. You know, you're going to take out your 401k, you know, go into income, so you're going to get taxed on it, but you're yeah. going to get taxed on it anyway. So the argument there is, in my opinion, the taxes will be probably higher in the future to pay for all this quantitative easing um, that we had in 2008 and all these bailouts. Hopefully, Patrick's uh, income is a lot more higher in the future. Uh, which yeah. is power intuitive to people who think when you retire, your tax bracket will go down. We plan to get richer as we grow older.
1: That was a big um, paradigm shift for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, the 10% penalty, I mean, it's mm-hmm. unfortunate. They call it a penalty. They should call it like a ticket to the big dance, but you know, it's just, it's just a math equation. And, and I like how, you know, you're very uh, go as far as writing scripts and stuff like that, but you, know, you got to figure out that breakeven point. And what you said, Patrick is very good frame to, analyze anything you're going to do right you know i always say that numbers don't follow the numbers but to make decisions simplistically don't like you know figure out how much this is going to be how much this is going to be compare the two scenarios and just see which which where the numbers fall it's simple compare scenario a compare scenario b and go with the best
1: yeah it's freeing it's emotionless you know you don't get wrapped up in it that way it's just cut and dry yeah and and
0: and I guess like, you know, that was a good good move for your in situation. But I would say, you know, for some of these some of these other guys, they got like two to five hundred thousand dollars in their one K. Now that's where we have to get a little bit more, uh use a little more finesse. We can't just take that all out once because, you know, that's gonna blow up your AGI and you're gonna probably get taxed fifty cents on every dollar on that. Where I think Patrick, you're you aren't getting killed too much by the IRS, right? That's I think you're probably in the... I suppose it's relative, but yeah yeah you, you know, you're, you're getting one third of your uh, bacon chopped off there instead of half of it, so it, wasn't it could definitely problem. be worse yeah so yeah what's the what's the next move now? I mean, are we kind of in um, kind of a steady state here, just going out getting properties, or what's what's next for you so I like turnkeys as a base,
1: you know get it at like five, ten of them, something like that, probably with the same turnkey provider maybe in different geographic markets if the provider offers that the one that I'm looking at does. So that kind of mitigates your risk a little bit, but I would view that as kind of the, the safety net going forward, the, the slow, steady, predictable income. Um, as far as scaling that up to the full 50 to completely replace W-2 income, I don't, I don't see that as a really viable or desirable approach. So things that I've been looking at are some types of syndication, uh, again, I've tried the DIY aspect and realized how, how bad I am at that. So that's that's off the table, at least. And, what what, and what did really, you really like about that specifically? Uh, I really hope my brother doesn't watch this, but <laughs> I love the guy. <laughs> it was, uh, the, the property's two and a half hours away from me. So that stinks. You drive up there, you're already not at 100%. It is a hundred year old property. Everything that could possibly be wrong with it is wrong with it. Like we just discovered that the uh, main vent pipe for the entire property, is uh, perforated, completely perforated. So the entire thing needs to be replaced, which means ripping out a bunch of drywall, which means running new plumbing, which means redoing the paint and everything. I mean, just, and then uh, getting a boot on the roof to, to run that thing out through the uh, through the roof. So just a lot of things like that just come up in these old properties because it was our first one. Our budget for it was a little bit off. We're coming out of pocket. That's not the end of the world. It's a big learning experience and I wouldn't I, if I had it to do again, I would. I would just do things differently, and that's called learning. But for now, it's just kind of an albatross on my neck until it's done.
0: Yeah, and this is the, the this Hannah Street one if you guys are working on. It. Oh uh,
1: no, that's the um, that's the turnkey one. If you scroll down to the partial ownership.
0: Oh okay. okay,
1: yeah, that's it.
0: What what's the? If you sold this property, or are you still working on it?
1: We're still working on it. Um, we're our schedule is to have it rent ready by April first.
0: So this is a, what's the, what's the exit strategy? Is it just a rental or is it just a flip? It's a rental for now. And it's weird that you ask that because every,
1: like the contractors that have been coming in to replace the windows and do all that stuff, they all ask us, Oh, are you flipping this thing? And when we tell them, no, we're renting, they're like, what really? So that doesn't make me feel super good. But yeah, our plan is to rent it for you know, five years or so until we have some equity built up and then dump it and move on.
0: Why not sell it now? What's the, what's the difference that those five years is going to do?
1: Uh, so in my mind, appreciation up there is not existent. So it would be more equity pay down. In terms of why not sell it now, I'm open to that. I'm definitely not married to the long-term rental strategy. Just the right offer has to come along.
0: Right. You, you know all the uh, the charts and like more how mortgage pay down happens, right? You know it's non-existent the first year or two years. Yeah. I mean that's what's happening. No problem, just keeping a tenant in there. But then here here's the predicament that I'm having with all my turnkey rentals. Yeah, ten there now. You can't get that pop in price, right? You can't have sure. a, a new home buyer come in and say, "Wow, I love this place," where they can't even get in. You got some people all the, all their oh. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. And then what I what I believe is, you know, when people are coming coming here and renting, they screw up these properties. I mean, make no mistake, you're probably gonna have to put another ten grand in there to get it rent ready, or not rent ready, but retail ready. You know, it's kind of like that that uh was that peanuts character the dirty kid
1: oh pig pen yeah
0: yeah yeah he's there for like five minutes but he screws it all up it's kind of like what they're gonna do (laughs) that property yeah yeah that's true um but yeah if the numbers aren't there i mean you gotta just hold on to it i guess that's kind of our worst case and if that's the worst case yeah okay
1: as long as it covers its mortgage i'm not disappointed in it i guess
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, I think what I see a lot of people, a lot of investors, and why I tell you guys to get single family homes first, or even try something like this is see if you like it. If it doesn't really resonate, with you just, you know, run away. Yeah. Life's, life's too short to be doing things you don't really like. Especially yeah. when you can just go and get turnkeys, right? <laughs> In your sleep.
1: Yeah, I mean, you were talking about running different scenarios. I I have done that. Looked at all the time, energy, and raw capital that I've put into this Harrisburg place versus how many turnkeys I could have gotten for that, and uh, I could have gotten many.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: right. um, Yeah, again, it wasn't it wasn't the best financial move so far, but it was a learning experience, and it's definitely crossed something off the list for me in terms of avenues I can pursue.
0: Right, right, and, and I think I don't know if you, what exactly you were doing here, but you know, people do that with. You know, they think the burst strategy is one of the coolest things. You know, sometimes you've got to run the scenario. If you would have just done the slow and steady, the turtle route, and just picked up turnkeys with that money as opposed to instead of buying two or three off the bat, you bought one, you had all your money in there. It took forever to refinance and how long that took and and life energy away. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm looking at the the primary residence there. You know, there looks to be some equity there. Mm Mm-hmm. There might be some opportunity to get some cash out of that. I know you probably think that this three point two five percent interest rate is pretty sweet, which it is, but it's it's not. You don't want to look at it like that. That's how unsophisticated investors look. They look at interest rate and the amount of debt. Sophisticated investors look at what we would have done with this equity. You, know, you could probably take out like maybe like eighty grand via HELOC or something like that, and you could have bought yep. three. Two, two or three turnkeys or whatever?
1: Yeah, so I do have a HELOC out. Um, I've got about 50 grand available in it uh, now. Um, and then I've got some life insurance coming due that I should be able to leverage into further turnkey properties. Uh, the plan with the primary residence, so I'm, I'm very close to uh, a military base here. And the thought was to rent this place out and just kind of you know, move on. We have a lot of people that get stationed here for two years, families, and you know it's tough for them to, to buy every two years, you know, so they're pretty much guaranteed rental market.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's talk about that. So the purchase price on this thing is about 400 today. How much have you run comps and what do you think you're going to be able to rent this thing out for?
1: We had last year, we had somebody come out and tell us what the the rental comps were. And actually there's a place down the road that's renting out. They're renting for 2,500. So it's pretty sweet. If I could even get 2250 or two grand, even I'd be, I'd be happy with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, if it's not getting you near the 1% rent to value ratio, like your turnkeys are, you know, run the numbers, right. Uh, or, you know, run the snare. If you would have took the equity, if you would have just sold the whole dang thing, uh-huh. taking the 150,000 or $140,000, probably on 120 after commissions and taxes. But if you took the yeah. 120 and you bought one, two, three, four turnkeys, how much would that produce? That's interesting. Okay. Versus renting this thing out at twenty five hundred or whatever.
1: Right, like half a percent, basically. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and like you said, if I, I think you mentioned where you, you're at, it just doesn't doesn't appreciate too well where you're at. So why the heck would you do this?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to run some numbers on that. That's <laughs> that's an interesting thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the whole. It's just like you know when when you're getting the turnkeys, right? You you bought like a kind of a a-class minus turnkey, I, yeah. I think. And yeah, it was pricey. Yeah, and, and as you go up on the scale, maybe $120,000, 150000 you see your return peter off, right? Yep. Now, the rent-to-value ratios are not linear. They kind of peter off at this point. This is an extreme case of that.
1: Right, if, I got gotcha. you,
0: yeah. $100,000 buys you, you know, only $2,500 of rent. Right. So something to think about, I mean, I, I would say me yeah, maybe you can keep it if you're in a, you know, more of a high appreciation area in California, you know, parts of California.
1: Right? We'll see what Amazon does. We're pretty close, uh, less than an hour away from that. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, you know, that might be, you know, that's a story, right? I mean, I can get behind that, you yeah. know but I'm going then to run again, the
1: numbers either way. I mean, why wouldn't I? That's yeah, uh, that's something I hadn't thought of before.
0: You know, and so so run the numbers like this. Do like two scenarios, like run it with you know the sort of what you think is going to happen, maybe the the price sort of goes up 3%, 4% every year. Mm-hmm. But then run it where the numbers go up like 6% every year, right? The optimistic. Cuz on on the syndication, some syndication deals what I like to see is like Hey, run the numbers where it's um, pessimistic, optimistic, and like you know kind of performa okay. get a, ban. yeah you know in that case, you never really get to see the back end like what what assumptions are using, so it's completely garbage, but you're the one doing all the assumptions here so right, you right, actually right. trust it, and then just you know just ask yourself right like you know look at the performa, is this worth it well obviously it's not right we're saying that, but the whole yeah the optimistic scenario is this really you know we want to play this type of game and I don't know. I mean, you might be onto something there. I just don't know, but.
1: Maybe. I mean, to play devil's advocate, uh, what you're, with what you were talking about with the time factor, how many years is that going to be before they even break grounds, you know, until they're finished, until that appreciation happens and what you, could you have done with that extra equity during that time frame, And then is it worth it? Right. So I'm definitely yeah. going to run numbers on that. That's a really, really good point. And so what would, how, so, okay. So if we do this, sell this and then what, just wind up renting essentially?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what I recommend doing. That's what I do for, especially for people in primary more primary uh, markets, Mm -hmm. but maybe you go and you buy, you get back into the, um, you know, the normal working class range of like under $250,000. You you buy something like that.
1: Yeah. That would be a uh, two bedroom condo around here.
0: Yeah. I mean, you may not want to do that. You're kind of too old for that kind of stuff.
1: I am cheap. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. we'll see. That's a that's a talk with
0: the boss. You kind of mentioned, yeah, trying, yeah, try, just just try run the numbers on this and see what what it works out as. Yeah, that's a really good idea.
1: To go back to the physics equation, that could be the the hidden mass that I wasn't taking advantage of.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you're constantly trying to look for equity that pops up, and you know, when I when I kind of look at these personal financial sheets, I just look for looking fruit yeah, so systematic and look at the the four one k money and then the equity in your house. take a look at simplepass cashflow dot com slash home. you know just kind of get your head wrapped around like you know not owning your home, renting it more okay um and then here's here's kind of a kicker too, right? Like I mean, I believe a recession is coming up in the next one to three years. yeah I mean Me so many indicators are kind of pointing that way what do you think this $400,000 house will drop down to over, sort of overnight? That's a good question. Right. I mean, yeah. I know how you are. I mean, you get people who have money get, they work off fear. <laughs> so I just scared you. <laughs> to do something. A little bit. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's very, very simple. People have money work off fear. People who don't have money work off hope. So, like the yeah. whole optimistic strategy may, may not work on you these days. You're right. more compelled to uh, hedge your bets than to go after that optimistic snare sh- sh- that you're going to go after. Or,
1: I think that's one of the things that Harrisburg has taught me too. Yeah. Um, slow and steady wins this race for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and here's another um, thought. Um, this is definitely more like wine cooler time talk. It's, it's not no theory, no um, data really built behind it. But like if you, you're familiar with like Austin, right? The city of Austin, Texas, how it's kind of blown up. Very similar tech town or tech story behind it. But Austin was like, you know, just didn't do very much initially when Dell went in there, I think in the 1980s, 1990s. You know, it took them like 20 years for it to get to this point today. So the whole Amazon thing they, they're going in, and there's all this initial bump, but to get that huge appreciation that Austin has seen, it took a decade, couple decades for it to happen.
1: So yeah, that's a good point, happy. too.
0: But, but I'm also the guy who lived in Seattle for 14 years, and wow, like Amazon just kind of changed that city for sure.
1: Well, we'll see what the numbers say.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: a good avenue, though. I hadn't even thought about going down that road.
0: Anything off the top of your head? I mean, you're kind of, I think you're at this mode where, you know, your net worth is about 160. You're eating some rice and beans. Maybe you can kind of lighten up a little bit and kind of live life a little bit. You'll get there. It's just going to take time. Yeah. Uh, I think once you, once you start to hit, yeah, I mean, I guess the first hundred is always the hardest part, but man, once you start to hit like 400, 500, man, that's when things really start to take off, I think.
1: You're talking about net worth? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the the acceleration curve again at that point. Right. So aside from turnkeys, though, and aside from turnkeys and syndications, is there any other sector, for lack of a better word, that I should look into to kind of broaden my horizons and diversify a little bit? I'm already doing the whole life insurance. Uh, my war chest essentially is sitting in AHP. I'm, you know, trying to start turning out some of these turnkeys, and then once I can put fifty grand together with a little bit of extra cushion on top of it, I'm going to start throwing some money into syndication. So, is there any other type of sector or strategy that you're aware of that I should do some more research on?
0: I'm not. I mean, okay. I'm sure there's ways of, you know, making an active business, but sure. I mean, you seem to be pretty busy at your day job. You're not in a very good location to be doing being the operator.
1: Yeah, no.
0: And this is kind of where we look at like your skill sets to go find deals, right? And I think that's yeah, the, right. the biggest thing you got to go find the deal. And people ask me all the time, well, like, well, how do I get in? I want to get in the general partnership. And I'm like, well, you didn't do anything, you know? The heck, how The hell do we want you in a general partnership for, right? Right. I mean, if if real estate or syndications is like your where you want to excel, you've got to do something to add value, right? Or it, it, this is where you kind of jump from, you know, a hundred thousand dollars net worth to a million dollars net worth. sort of overnight you got to make a business, right. That is, uses your, your skills. Right. And that's a different realm. I, I personally don't do that. I just invest passively. Yeah. That's,
1: that's what I'm looking to do as well.
0: Right. Like I, I, I grow my money at 20 to 30% every year but nothing explosive like a business can like at 50, hundred, 200% a year. Right. And I think that's how you, that's how you like transform yourself into, you know, you playing the rabbit game. You just, just zip right up there in terms of net worth, but I'm not the guy for that. Yeah. I, I, I'm sort of playing around now. Now that I have a little bit more free time and, or not free time, but instead of hit, hitting singles, I'm kind of looking to more hit more home runs. I'm kind of looking at like buying websites and, adding value via content marketing or maybe making a podcast of that, or, you know, doing something like that, right? that I'm interested in too. Right. But, yeah. But that's borderline business at that point. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's like the next frontier to answer your question. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, you know, you can play I mean, with, around with things like trade lines that can get you an extra 10, 10 grand a month. But I think, yeah. Redlining it with, I mean, you're making a pretty dang good salary. I mean, I don't, most people dream about being able to save fifty grand a year.
1: Yeah, no, you're right, and that's kind of what initially started me off on this. Is oh my god, I've got this great opportunity. I don't want to screw this up. I don't want to squander this and waste this. The salary, it's not like it's going to go away in five years. I'm I'm good at my job, but I don't want to. I don't want to waste the opportunity.
0: You yeah, know, how, to do something how, more. How is the job? Is it pretty taxing, or is it well? Um,
1: from a technical standpoint it's not from a management micromanagement standpoint it is uh from office space you know the guy uh, peter has like six different bosses or whatever that's basically that's basically what i have and the door does shock me literally
0: shock me every time i walk in <laughs> so i got it all so in terms of time though is it pretty it's like oh, 40 hours a week 50 hours yeah a week. 40 hours a week okay so you can't complain too much right i guess exactly yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, this is kind of just a, more of a finesse thing, but Hey, you're, you're right. You're, you're in cruise control. You're going to get there in time. I don't know. Chill out a little bit. Maybe buy a little <laughs> bit better rice. Right. Stop right. out the beans yeah. Stop out the beans a little bit. And then, you know, when you run your calcs, figure out like, Hey, you may not get there when you're like 40 or you'll, you'll get there when they're 40. Right. But then the question is like, when do you really like, when is it acceptable to get there? And, Kind of titrate your life up to that kind of higher standard now, because you never know when it's all going to end. That's a good point too. Yeah. So that's the that's when you kind of put on because right now you have the uh, the scarcity mindset right now, so you got to transition more towards the uh, abundance mindset. And whether you have a hundred dollars to name, one hundred sixty thousand dollars to name, or two hundred fifty thousand dollars, or $250 $250 million. At the end of the day, it's more about having that more abundance mindset, which sounds corny, but um, you don't really get the abundance mindset unless you have money. I mean, I don't care what people say. You can you can sit around and sing Kumbaya and hold hands around the campfire. It ain't going to happen unless you got some cash.
1: Yeah. it's So that statement can be broken out. You know, the scarcity and abundance mindset can really be broken out into you know, its own complete discussion. And and I'm starting to see some of the different shadings to that discussion as I'm kind of going through the journey here. Commas in money don't seem to matter as much in certain things anymore. and And I think that's part of that transition, but you're right. It's, it's definitely easier said than done.
0: Right. Where you are, net worth is kind of where you are. The fact that you're saving $50,000 a year, that's kind of your speed that you're going, your velocity. Yeah. So, Maybe it doesn't matter where you are in terms of net worth, but as long as you're zipping along at $50,000 a year in terms of speed, maybe that's all that really matters. That you, you, you have the mindset that you're going to be okay, that it's just going to take a few more years. And, then, you know, that carrot is right there. That's right. just another way of thinking about it. Yeah. But any other, any other questions before we uh, wrap this up? No, not at this point. Not at yeah. this point. Do you have any yeah, other I mean, questions for me or anything? I mean, just, that's the way I see it. Just kind of just keep zipping along at $50,000 a year and we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I would say, you know, from here on out, I mean, the turnkey rentals thing, you've pretty much got that hammered down. Um, Maybe if you're still going to pick up single family homes, work on more on getting the brokers and the deals yourself. So you can, you know, save a little bit there. And then on the syndication side is a very like, Big pivot, right? Like, it took me a while to buy anything or to put money down to feel comfortable. The mm-hmm. game switches from talking to vendors and stuff like that, and and networking with other passive investors. Okay, so, so that's when kind of your the network is really your net worth when you kind of switch to that two point level.
1: Right, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah that'll be fun.
0: Yeah, because I mean, the people that are more accessible, I wouldn't particularly say you actually want to work with them. They're just good marketers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes logical sense, yeah.
0: Cool, yeah, thanks for doing this, Patrick.
1: Sure, I hope someone uh, gets some value out of it. It, I definitely have. So thank you for uh, offering it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, I will, uh, I guess what's the call to action today? I guess go join the investor club, com backslash club. And um, we mentioned um, that slash home article, that's another good one to kind of read up. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you.